Hello and welcome to the I Hear Design podcast, your source for design and architecture news, interviews, and opinions. I'm your host, Robert Yaminen, and today's episode is being brought to you in partnership with Leviton. As we kick off a new year, I recently sat down with David Buer, Director of Product Management at Leviton, and Alina Zavragina, Lighting and Control Specialist for SDA Lighting, to talk about what the lighting controls outlook will look like for 2022. Our conversation spanned the lighting control trends you can expect to see, how the pandemic has changed the way designers should look at controls, some of the unique needs people will have as they return to shared spaces and the benefits these controls offer, and some changes on the horizon for the lighting controls market. We hope you'll glean a lot from their expertise and insights to consider for your next commercial lighting project. Have a listen. Well, hi, David and Alina. Uh, thank you for being on the, on the podcast. It's good to see you. Thanks. Happy to be here, hi. Robert. Yeah, great. Well, I know we are here to talk about um, what the controls industry outlook will will be for 2022, and uh, we've got a lot to cover in today's episode, but uh, I thought we could just start things off by you both introducing yourselves to our listeners. So um, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Um, Alina, you want to go first? Sure, absolutely. Hi, everybody. Um, My name is Alina. I have been a lighting control and lighting specialist for seven years. I work at Sandwich Associates, and um, I have uh, received bachelor degree in electrical engineering. My daily responsibilities include the lighting control specification based on uh, local energy codes, compatibility of the fixtures, and uh, client preferences. I uh, design and code education of electrical engineers, architects, and lighting community in, in general. Um, and also technical support and installation guidance on site contractor for, for the contractors on site. Sure. Okay, great. What about you, David? Yeah, my name is David Buer. I work at Leviton Manufacturing just outside of uh, Portland, Oregon here. Uh, I've been with Leviton now for about 19 and a half years, uh, currently director of product management. So that means I get to play with the, the controls and the products that we develop. Uh, prior to my time at Leviton, I spent about seven years at uh, PLA Designs, uh, also here in Portland, uh, playing with themed environments and theaters and doing some architectural lighting design, so more on the specification side of the business. Yeah, great, great. Thank you. That's very cool. Uh, so now that our listeners know a little bit about you too, uh, let's get them more familiar with Leviton and SDA Lighting. Uh, so David, for our listeners who don't know about Leviton, uh, can you tell them a little bit about uh, the company? Yeah, absolutely. So Leviton Manufacturing is a company that's been around now for uh, just about 115 years. We are a uh, private company. Uh, we got our start, uh, of all things, selling gas mantles on the street of New York. Uh, Isvor Leviton had a cart and he'd push them around selling gas mantles for light fixtures. So, you know, that kind of tends to, to reason then that one of our first products uh, after the gas mantle would have been the porcelain lamp socket as well. Uh, we manufacture products today on four different continents, and we supply the needs of electrical wiring devices and lighting control solutions for residential, commercial, and industrial markets. So pretty much covering the full spectrum there, as well as having a full complement of light fixtures and network connectivity that span the markets. Thank you. Very cool. I, I didn't know about that historical reference, but uh, you learn something new every day. That's amazing. Um, Elena, what about you? Uh, could you talk about SDA Lighting for those listeners that aren't familiar with the company? Sure. So SDA Lighting and Controls, um, we are a wrap in New York. 
um, SDA was founded in 1962. So next year we'll have 60 year anniversary, which makes us the oldest rep in New York City. Um, it was found, founded by Stanley Deutsch, therefore the Stanley Stan Deutsch Associates. Um, and is uh, Stan Deutsch is dedicated to offering specification grade uh, lighting products to local design community for commercial, retail, uh, hospitality, healthcare, educational markets, and more. Uh, we represent over 100 lighting uh, and control manufacturers and serve New York City, Westchester County, Rockland County, and Long Island um, locally. Yeah, okay, great, thank you. Well, let's dive into the you know main topic for today and uh, looking at lighting control trends. Uh, so what do you two see as being some of the unique uh, lighting control trends that we're gonna be seeing in 2022? So, you know, Robert, what we're expecting to see, you know, kind of moving into next year is uh, kind of a couple of things. I mean, certainly at a high level, you know, more of the same, um, but also that twisted with a little bit of change because the world in the middle of a pandemic or post pandemic, wherever we're at, is just a little bit different. And I'm, you know, sure, sure we'll get some opportunities to talk on that today. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, some of the big trends that we've been seeing lately is really the move towards distributed controls. And, you know, we're probably four or five years into this transition to distributed controls. And that's what that means is instead of big panels and electrical rooms running the spaces and the floors and the buildings, the controls are actually in the space themselves. So it allows the spaces to operate somewhat autonomously from the rest of the building while at the same time still maintaining the type of connectivity that you get with uh, you know, a, a full traditional connected system. So the move towards distributed controls is certainly gonna continue. Um, second is really the embracement of wireless uh, in many cases as a preferred, preferred form of lighting control technology over the wired counterpart. You know, there's been lighting or wireless lighting control solutions in the market for years, but, uh, you know, their acceptance has always been lackluster. Well, that's really changed in the last couple of years uh, where we're really going to or where we're seeing it adopted more and more frequently by more people. And in many cases, contractors are now asking for wireless solutions over the wired counterpoints counterparts because they're robust, they're reliable, and in many cases, they're easier to install which kind of gets us to the newest trend, which is a tighter integration between lighting fixtures and lighting controls, where the controls are actually integrated into and part of the fixture. And in the last few months, and as we're looking into our outlook for what we're gonna see into 2022, I'm expecting that to finally take off and start kind of hitting the next level of adoption and deployment, uh, where we're seeing that integration actually realized and deployed into the market. And of course, finally, uh, more of an optimization on building technology and tweaking the technology in the building to meet the specific needs of the users is going to be a big focus in 2022. Sure, yeah, definitely. Um, Elena, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I totally, totally agree with um, David here on the regarding the distributed and wireless controls. Um, I also uh, would like to add that we see more wellness orient oriented con controls, such as like dynamic white and circadian rhythm. 
and um, flexibility, flexibility of lighting controls as we are going through the adoption phase to see what will work and, and what's the new reality will bring us. Uh, we need um, that flexibility um, uh, that is very important and allows for easier reconfiguration of the space without any electrical work required. Yeah. Um, so for example, if you have like an open area, right? Um, we don't know if um, that open area is gonna be used by one user or is it gonna be rotating desks and stuff like that. So having that flexibility and being able to reconfigure the space easily will um, is, a, is a great plus nowadays. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned wellness. That's a great point, Alina. Uh, and obviously, that's top of mind for everybody uh, as the pandemic is even spiking now, as we're talking about offline, uh, which leads to my next question. Um, Alina, if you want to take, take this one first, um, how has the pandemic changed the way designers need to consider lighting control specifications? Yeah, for sure. Um, again, I think the most important and biggest change in um, is in the open spaces, collaboration spaces, and basically the spaces that people share. I think those spaces have to be designed to be reconfigurable and flexible from lighting and controls perspective. Um, also, touch-free and app-based control um, of lighting in your space is definitely more in demand as people don't want to touch any switches or dimmers um, and much rather use their cell phones or have a voice control, um, especially we do have and use like Alexa and Google Home to control lights, TV, music, or even, I don't know, brew coffee in your house. So as people are returning back to commercial spaces to work, not from home, but um, in the commercial facility, they mm -hmm. want something similar in their workspace. Um, also lighting control system that provide, provide space a utilization tool and feed feedback on how the space is being used, when is it occupied, integration with uh, building management system or HVAC systems, or air, air quality control and disinfection control, really. Yeah. So I feel like um, designers consider more robust and intelligent um, systems nowadays. Uh, well, what would you say are some of the vital needs uh, of commercial spaces as people return to shared spaces? I think you touched on it a little bit, Alina, but uh, David, do you want to uh, take that one? Yeah, uh, sure. I'd be happy to. I mean, and, and she did she did mention it. And I, you know, Alina mentioned the concept of the rotating desk or really, you know, the shared space and the shared work environment. And, uh, you know, a lot of people now have realized, in fact, Leviton even has realized that you know, people can be effective and in some cases prefer working or remotely as opposed to coming into the office every day. Uh, and that's, you know, that's been so significant for Leviton that we're actually have been able to consolidate buildings uh, and move to a, like one week in office, three weeks off, you know, for some of our roles here. And that means that we're experiencing just like a lot of other people out there, this concept of that shared workspace. So not only does that mean different people are moving through the same space with their own unique wants and desires, but it also means in some cases that the functions performed in the space is different over time, which means the lighting needs to respond to it uh, and the control environment needs to respond to it. So we're seeing an increase in number of requests for ease of changing operation of the space and being able to change how that space is operating day to day, like how the different sensors provide stimulus into the environment and how that reacts. 
in addition to the controls aspect of it as you know providing light and light to the space so people can work we're also seeing now where people are looking to see how their building technologies like light fixtures can actually help keep their environment cleaner and what kind of technology can be deployed in the ceiling through the fixtures to help disinfect and clean that space. Sure, yeah, yeah. that's good points. So recently, healthcare facilities have been back in the news, um, obviously with the spike. Uh, what are some of the crucial needs of healthcare facilities specifically? Yeah. Well, you know, I mentioned one uh, kind of at the tail end of the last question that's, you know, certainly bears repeating, which is how do we keep the space clean? You know, mm -hmm. we now have, I mean, we always have had viruses that live in environments, but now we have viruses that are literally driving a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic, which, you know, we've never seen in our lifetimes before. And we have technology that allows us to help reduce the spread and growth of bacterias and molds and virus uh, viruses in space and we're deploying that in our light fixtures in our light switches in our control systems we've even got technologies out there now uh, that you can actually use special light bulbs in fixtures to help clean and disinfect the disinfect the space and we're seeing that in healthcare facilities you know certainly as well as other ones um, you know, thinking about a recent uh, hospital project we did where we deployed about uh, 4,000 nodes, you know, across a couple of buildings in this facility. Um, some of the unique needs that we saw in that environment was first, the systems and spaces were highly specified with respect to the feature requirements and operational of each 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 space. You know that was very good, and it helped us provide a solution that met the needs of the hospital really well. Um, certainly, emergency systems and redundant emergency systems are technologies that we see not only in healthcare facilities like hospitals, but also now pushing out to you know more of the neighborhood X-ray and local health centers where people go. We're seeing those same technologies push out push out to that level. Um, certainly, things that are easy to clean mm -hmm. uh, is really important, as well as things that are very low maintenance and very easy to maintain and monitor and control remotely because you don't always want to go into the space where people are healing and recovering to see what's going on with the lighting. You need those tools to do that from your maintenance desk. Yeah, definitely, that's a very good point. Um, I wanted to add a couple of things. I think um, uh, also the primary goal is to facilitate more comfort uh, through, and again, we're going back to uh, circadian rhythm and tunable light fixtures and I know this, we're talking about the controls, but we're controlling those fixtures and those white, tunable white fixtures can help not only patients, but nurses and doctors and hospital personnel to be energetic and survive those long shifts, uh, long, um, long hour shifts um, that they work in nowadays. And um, I also, there is another point that I wanted to bring, um, the flexibility that we spoke about. Um, a lot of units, a lot of hospitals have dedicated their parts of the floor to the COVID units. So having that flexibility that we spoke about so much today uh, is important in the hospital uh, facilities as well. And um, the other day I was having a conversation with a coworker of mine and we were brainstorming this idea, which I really like and I think it's um, it's good, good to bring it up here. Um, so if um, having a room lockdown of the space where a patient was diagnosed with COVID or any other virus really, so when the patient leaves or and follows to, to go 
wherever they have to go, the room can be automatically locked and then disinfection through fixtures or through HVAC can automatically be turned on. And then once you know that process is completed, like, I don't know, whatever it takes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, then the light outside of that room can go green and that space can be used again without any um, uh, danger to any uh, of uh, any patients that's coming next. Right. Yeah, definitely. And that sounds like that would be a huge benefit um, for hospitals. Um, what about lighting controls in general? How, like, how do they benefit building occupants overall? Um, so many people think in design lighting controls, uh, considering local energy codes and that they have to comply with. Um, and energy codes are, are, are there to save energy, and I'm all up for that. But um, lighting controls are also there and capable to make difference in that space. Um, think about uh, we are in our workspace at least 40 hours a week. So if people feel comfortable and connected to that space, um, they become more productive and perhaps even uh, enjoy what they do more and more. So I believe uh, um, personal control devices that match your preference play a big role. And David have touched on that earlier. Also uh, having a right correct design of the override switches and sensors layout is very important. Um, so if somebody works or um, late hours or after hours, you want that person to feel safe walking out of their private office into the corridor, into the open area. You want that sensor, occupancy sensor, to trigger the lights on. Um, I cannot tell you how many conversations with the clients I had where they had to do jumping jacks in order to bring you know, the lights on, and that's a bad design. So having yeah. the correct sensor layout, sensor coverage that turns on the lights the minute that door, the second that door is open, and having the override switch location that makes sense for that specific specific space is uh and easily accessible is crucial um i think yeah that that that's all i have on that sure okay yeah and, uh, jumping jacks they may be good for you but that's not for you know what you want for your lighting control situation there so for sure for sure yeah. okay well and alina makes a really good point there too that uh, you know, the why the jumping jacks? Well, the jumping jacks, because you didn't have the right sensors in the environment or the mm -hmm. right uh, types of sensors, the right size of sensors, the right types of sensing technologies. And, you know, we have solutions that resolve all of those problems. They've just got to be designed correctly. And, you know, that's that's really if, if there was a call to action of anybody, it would be research the technologies and make sure you're deploying it the right way and reach out to us manufacturers and let us help you do that. Because, you know, we're, we're experts at making our product work. You know, that's exactly yeah. what we want to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 100 percent. Yeah, definitely. OK, well, the final question I have for you both um, is really just what, what change do you see on the horizon for the lighting controls market? Million dollar question. How good's my crystal ball? <laughs> um, not that good, but you know, here's where I think the big shift is going to be. Um, you know, I, I think that the market is going to, uh, and in some cases has started paying attention to this concept of facilities management. Um, I mentioned earlier about optimization of technologies within buildings and how they work together. Well, the the poor facilities management folks that get stuck keeping business operatings for uh, the people in the space and keeps everybody operating at their peak of efficiency 
they need tools that answer some of the basic questions. You know, how do we maintain our systems better? What's going on? How do I train my maintenance staff on how to maintain the systems in my building? Um, now that I'm getting the info from my systems, what do I do from it and what makes it useful? What are people doing in the space? What's working? What's not? And overall, the concept of how can I fine tune my building to meet the needs of the people in it better, inclusive of lighting and controls and HVAC and now disinfection tools. And, you know, the, the list goes on. Right. And so I think that's what's going to be you know, the, the horizon for lighting controls is really focusing on that facility management vertical. Sure, sure. Totally agree with you, David. Um, I feel like the smarter, more software-based system that have that integration with the system, the HVAC, BM, BMS system, AV, voice control, whatever it might bring, the future might bring us, I think integration, we'll see more integration of those systems. And um, again, using the app application to control lighting, uh, using our phones that everybody carry uh, nowadays. And I feel like tunable white is going to be coming up more and more and more um, in, in the future as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, great. Uh, David and Alina, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us and, and our audience today. Um, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you Absolutely. for having us. Thanks yeah, for your time, Robert. Absolutely. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. And as always, be well, everyone.